Hello, my name is Michael Kane, and I will be auditioning for the part of Wallace. <clears throat> Good morning, chum. I say there, could you please make me some breakfast? Yes, porridge will be fine, but make sure that it goes through some sort of Rube Goldberg machine. Thank you, chum. You know you are my very favorite dog. Oh, who's that at the window? Let's go take a look. Oh, hello. It's just a regular little cat. I will welcome this cat into our home. I hope that you get along with it, but I don't really care. And now I will try another scene. Ahem. Scene 2. Watch out, Gromit. That cat has gotten control of a large laser beam, and we have very few options with which to defeat it. Could you please set up some sort of contraption that we can stop it? Thank you, Gromit. You are my best friend. Hello? Oh, hello. Yes, I'm here to audition for the part of Gromt the dog. Gromped. <laughs> is that good enough? <laughs> well, Are gonna... people going to get that it's Sean Connery or should I introduce it like that? <laughs> or does it even matter? I don't think it matters. Great. Oh, what's this now? here to audition for Porter Wallace. Oh, hey, <laughs> Governor. I think I'm going to get on another job today. <laughs> I wish that I knew what the voice of uh, John Arbuckle was canonically. Because then I could, I could maybe do that. Sweet. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, all right, let's get started. Yes. Welcome, everyone. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the Carton Cast, the show where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. The Carton Cast. Everything's under control. <laughs> Steady on, then. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. Just a moment. Very good. Uh, man, that inflection. Everyone though. knows the carton cast's made of cheese. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and today we are watching the delightful claymation, <laughs> stop motion animation uh, franchise, Wallace and Gromit. Yes. Um, Wallace and Gromit has. So, this, uh, is, this enough- is for our scrambled segment, mind. Yes, where we take a look at things that aren't traditional animation. Uh, we've done puppets, <laughs> machinima animated web comics and now claymation the original yeah this is actually not the first time we've done this no we technically took a look at it during um corpse bride uh uh, kablam we took (laughs) well okay uh, (laughs) not really though i mean yeah okay a little bit yeah no we we did look at it for um for Corpse Bride, but the difference there is that they used a variety of, like, uh, puppets to play with uh, and and vary their emotions that way. Here, it's all clay. Yes. This is like an arts and crafts project that takes way, way too long to set up. Yeah, it, it's like someone making, like, a, a, like a working, like a working clock out of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> like, functioning working clock. 
<laughs> that's that's not a bad description. <laughs> it also sounds like something that Wallace might have done. <laughs> I say there, I've made this <laughs> clock out of Legos. Stop talking not- like Michael Caine. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Kidding. You should keep I'm not sure like why that. I did that, but I'm sure it will help you as Batman. <laughs> as Batman. <laughs> as Batman. <laughs> oh, hey dear, Batman. You ready for another adventure? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Batman! What's your name for a man with bats on your brain? <laughs> Holy shit, Batman! Look at that! Who is this? Like, is overexcited? Is overexcitable? Like, screw you, Batman! I'm going home. Special needs Robin. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just every voice I can do, and several that I cannot do. Yeah, you only get three voices, and then all other voices are a combination thereof. Yeah. This is how it's done. But Zane, tell me about Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, so Wallace and Gromit was made by Nick Park and his stop-motion animation company, Ardman Animations, uh, who also made Chicken Run, as well as the spin-offs Shaun the Sheep and Timmy Time in similar styles. Uh, also, apparently, he was part of an effort to adapt Princess Mononoke into a stage play. That's, well, I mean, like, I applaud the effort, I guess. <laughs> it's hard to um, imagine. And so, Although not really, it's got a lot of fairy tale elements to it. I bet you could do it. Uh, and this company is best known for the three short films that we will be focusing on today, as well as the feature-length movie Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit, and then another short that was made afterward, um, A Matter of Loaf and Death. Yeah. So I don't know how you want to do it. I want to really. I only watched the first, the, like the three original animation. I think that's things. where we'll focus, and I can um, I can chime in with some details. The uh, the originals I watched with uh, with my wife because you know this was one of her favorites growing up, and we watched it on classic VHS. The only way to watch claymation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry. Um, no, I'm sorry, sir. I have failed you in this trying time. So I, I don't know how you want to do this, but I think it might be good to do our normal Cartoncast format, set up the characters, tones, etc., and then maybe just do kind of a recollective of the three original shorts. Sure. Not, not, not in detail, but kind of what we loved about each one, what we thought didn't work as well, that sort of thing. Because they Sounds are good. so iconic and, and uh, memorable. And there are only the three, so I think that would be a better way to do it than to it's, speak it's kind purely of amazing. in generalities. It's kind of amazing how beloved this series is for having, you know, at the time, for, for most of it being in the public consciousness, they had three half-hour episodes, and, <laughs> and then it's just everywhere. Yeah, it, well, it's an extremely popular... <laughs> it's an, it, it, it sold extremely well. Um, I, I looked up uh, the stop-motion... The Wikipedia has a list of highest-grossing stop anim- stop-motion animation films. The first one being Chicken Run. Right behind it is the three Wallace and Gromit shorts. Um, and to give a sense of scale, Corpse Bride placed fifth. So, wow. <laughs> so this is like an extraordinarily beloved franchise. Um, and a lot of what we'll talk about is what this particular type of animation brings to the table. Um. It's it's very different from uh, you know your standard limited animation, in part because since it's taking place in the real world, things look very real. But because it's made out of clay, it also looks very uh, surreal. Yeah, that that contrast between something like a a standard dramatic arc and the goddamn goofiness of the premise is is so delightful. <laughs> 
and it, it's where it's where most of the comedy comes from. I had a couple yeah. of facts about please uh, about the the Wallace and Gromit shorts. Um, I went online and uh, checked out a website called Icons. Um, it's it's about it's sort of like a cultural heritage collective for England, which I think is a really cool idea. And they kind of just have cultural icons and ex- explanation, basically a know your meme of real life. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> an encyclopedia of sorts. <laughs> yeah, I would almost refer to it as an encyclopedia. <laughs> um, but yeah, icons. A said, collection of information. <laughs> but no, it's know your meme, but in real life. <laughs> but uh, icons uh, said that Wallace and Gromit have done more to improve the image of the English worldwide than any officially appointed ambassadors. <laughs> That's great. They're like the uh, Shaggy and Scooby, from, but for England. Yeah. Um, and all three of the original animated shorts have a 100% rating, an elusive 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, of course they do. Yeah. So like, this, is, this is real cream of the crop kind of stuff that we don't normally subject our audience to, but I think it's... It's and it still holds up because it has this timeless quality. So, you know, much uh, like cell shading, these these guys, like yeah, like it looks animation wise, it looks great. Um, but also just the subject matter, it's a man and his dog. Um, there's not really references to modern technology. It's sort of set in this um, kind of retro time, like the yeah. eternal fifties. Well, it, kind of it, thing. It feels kind of like a, a Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times of sorts. Like okay, yeah, with, with all the contraptions. With all the contraptions, uh, I, I like. I refer to it as cheap punk, as opposed to like <laughs> cyberpunk or steampunk, because it's it's all pots and pans technology. <laughs> yeah, it's like what if Calvin and Hobbes worked? What if Calvin and Hobbes grew up and <laughs> and one and, of them was a dog? Man. And Calvin lost his goddamn mind. <laughs> But no, it, the technology does feel very reminiscent of Calvin and Hobbes or um, Code, uh, Codename Kids Next Door, actually. Yeah, yeah. If if you can make it look cool, it works. Right, and it's it's all done with kind of base materials, that two by four technology that they did, mm-hmm. and it, which is again like fitting with that silly, serious aesthetic. They're doing really impressive stuff, but they're doing it out of like cardboard and 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 duct tape. And which actually Megas XLR actually also did a bit of, you know, him rehabbing the robot with duct tape and, and like pipe cleaners. And oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah. That was that was much more fantastical. This is like we'll be ready to blast off as soon as the paper mache is dry. <laughs> this is like this is close to realism in a, in a way like everything works on a surface level. Um. I don't know how best to describe this, but like, well, it's so it's it's such distilled whimsy. Yeah, it's it's whimsical. Like if you if you put a bunch of boxes together in the shape of a car, it might not go. But if you put it like a coat of paint on, it will. Right. Yeah. Like they they go through kind of loving detail of the craftsmanship on all these bizarre, stupid inventions, which uh, that Nick Nick uh, Nick Park actually described all of Wallace's inventions as using a sledgehammer to crack a nut. <laughs> which I, I think is apt that's that's not wrong yeah yeah and, and just and just the overkill and and the craftsmanship behind them everything just kind of works together to make it feel very surreal but in a way that is not spooky like in a way that is only delightful 
Yeah, and you say spooky, like, there is a mystery element here. There's there's sort of a, a thriller uh, sense to them. So There is, like, all the title it, cards coming in with, like, a dramatic sting kind of noise. Dun, 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 a close shave, <laughs> you know? Like, but it, it's very B-movie parody. Yeah, so you're, like, your first... So these are 30 minutes long. Your first 10 minutes is, like, a comedic setup. They'll show you a cool machine that will come back later. They set up the premise. And then the next 10 minutes are this mystery and tension building. Not, like, deep mystery, but, like, Scooby-Doo mystery. Very Uh, Scooby-Doo. And then then the last 10 minutes are just, like, a bizarre chase scene and dramatic resolution that goes, like, that uses the wacky invention in a new way. It almost feels as though they made the chase scene and then made the rest of the short around (laughs) it. Like, like to, okay, to so foreshadow what do you want chase it, scene? To, to bring back things that they used earlier in the episode, like the bungee cord technology for a close shave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's all it's all extremely lighthearted, even though it sometimes pretends to be more serious. Because you, you still remember that they're made out of clay, and you're like, oh no, if he gets thrown into the masher, like... Not just that they're made really out of What's really gonna clay, happen to him? It, they're also extremely goofy-looking models. Yeah, this like, is Wallace's face is, man, I... <laughs> like this is the only thing that the aliens saw, and then they come down to visit us. And like, ugh, what's wrong with you people? You're not nearly lumpy enough. Yeah, this, this is some supo ass <laughs> like <laughs> modelsmanship, and that makes sense because round objects are t- tend to be easier to make with clay. Um, mm-hmm. You have like their mouths extend past the regions of their face because you need to be able to over enunciate. Right, like, and, and there they do are a lot of fun for with, all like, of these collisions as well. Like Wallace, you know, he'll slam his head, his face into a door, and you'll see the deformation of the clay. Yeah, I was um I was watching that video you mentioned uh, by Super Eye Patch Wolf about Cuphead. That's um, right about the squeeze and stretch laws, right? Yeah. So uh, for the listener, uh, Ben and I have been playing Cuphead, this sort of vintage-looking game that that draws upon. Uh, those cartoons from the 30s like we did with Popeye mm-hmm. and how it looks more real if there's this deformation where if you run into a wall you're not just bouncing off of it you're sort of like your skin is moving forward and the skeleton doesn't quite as much yeah look look at the look at an image of somebody getting slapped in slow motion and you'll know what we're talking about and now watch it again because he deserved it yeah 100 picture Jack Sparrow if it helps I remember one time I went to the Museum of Modern Art and one of the uh, exhibits was just a video of two people slapping each other in the face for like a minute and a half with increasing ferocity. (laughs) And like, you know, they're tearing up and and slapping, but there's like no, there's no malice in their eyes. They just want to see who would, who will stop first. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I'm like, I I don't know what part of this is art, but looks like you tried. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And you can see this, you can see this same care put into making it look realistic in this claymation, even on things like, if you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have noticed, they do it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's so, this is such a painstaking process that, you know, like, like we said, five cartoons in the past 25 years, but 100%. And and it, it takes a long time to make. I remember Corpse Bride took like something like 12 or 14 or months or maybe like even 18 months i can't remember but it took a long time to animate yeah this uh i looked up the uh the specs on it it takes about a day to make 30 frames of film which corresponds to a little over a second 
Well, so the human eye can see 24 frames per second. Um, and so what this animation does and what a lot of those earlier like 30s animation stuff did was animate on the twos. So rather than do a frame every or rather than do a, like a new shot every frame, they would do it every other frame. Mm. Um, and so that saves on, you know, that cuts your time in half, but it does make it a little more jagged. You kind of have to cheat and find little little loopholes to make it look more smooth than it is. It does. It does. And, uh, you know, the, at times you could I could see things that were very limited in animation, like uh, like Wallace blinking, for example. I have to imagine it would be kind of a bitch to try to halfway close his eyes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like get the get the clay to get the halfway closing his eyes face going, but uh, you know it, it works out. Like it it looks surprisingly clean given that it technically speaking is very limited. Yeah. Probably and, more, almost as limited as a He Man, I would almost say. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? So when you have these really beautiful models and beautiful sets, you'll do some panning shots and you'll do a lot of shots where like one part of their body will articulate at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that cuts down on the problem. But even then, like you mentioned the eye blinks, like they're doing that throughout. It's consistent and it's timed. And like, if you didn't do that, it could probably save you a lot of time. But they did it just because like, this will look more real. Yeah, even though it doesn't look entirely real, but that's not the <laughs> Even purpose. though it looks monstrous. <laughs> it, it, they, I mean, they look like a bunch of animate, well-meaning monsters. It's true. <laughs> But it, They're it, doing it their it, best. The point is not that it's real life. The point is that it's cohesive, right? Yes, everything fits. Yeah, and, Even, which like, is surprising. The robots, sometimes the animals, they will the things people. that are not claymation. Sometimes they'll, if they had to do something that is more fluid, like fire or smoke, they'll do it with CGI. Yeah, for the more modern ones, right. um, or but water. You know, you can get wet clay. You can get wet clay. You, I love the way that water looks in claymation. Those kind of yeah, like you just, the blobs. You put a little couple drops of water on Gromit and he's just like, he's crying now. <laughs> it's so, like it's subtle. It is. Like it's not just water streaming down his face. It's like a little splash of, of light that reflects different. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's tearing up. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's pretty great. Um, this, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Wallace and Gromit. Like overall... Just before we well, start talking about characters, I it's think important. It's, it's just pristine. It is. It's important to recognize that this care and attention to detail is not, like, it's not innately part of the stop motion thing. Like, you can look at claymation, like, this. The, uh, we're recording this around Christmas time, and if you look at some of those Christmas classics where it's all claymation, you can see how this, this can be done a lot less fluidly. Sure. Like, I, I don't think that I had the same low... <laughs> Uh, of something like Gumby. And Gumby is uh, an American hero. <laughs> I mean, he might as well be. <laughs> I don't think he's quite as iconic in America. I'm trying to remember anything from Gumby. <laughs> uh, that, that horse, Pokey. Aw, Pokey. But but then, then again, that didn't have kind of that like small town, quiet life charm to it. Yeah, like you can look out your window and next door is just a clay house. (laughs) You're like, oh, the Claysons are back. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Zane, what what do you say we start talking about the characters? Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, so uh, Wallace is is this very British um, character. Like, he's a real ponce. 
yeah, uh, with some general awkwardness by, and self-centeredness. He's voiced by Peter Salas uh, for the yep. for the original three shorts, and then changed voice actors once uh, Peter Salas got a, too old to do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I didn't. Peter Salas is the one I know it from, and he's a he's a veteran voice actor for a number of things that I did not recognize. Yeah, probably some other British central stuff that doesn't get exported as easily. Right, some early um, movies. And the character of Wallace, like, like it all fits. Everything that we see about him fits, but it's also, it's a little inconsistent. So he, I, I got the sense of a retired fellow, like he's been over promoted his entire life and now he's relaxing. But then in the in the mo- in the feature length and then in some of the more recent ones, like he's working a bunch of odd jobs. Like he's always worried about money. Yeah, one of the, one of the shorts starts with him recognizing that he's got a lot of bills to pay. Yeah. You know. But at the same time, like he's very he's very entitled. So his dog sets up this elaborate automated wake up scheme and like he still complains. I don't think that he I don't think the dog set it up. Wallace is an inventor. Yeah. So you can kind of think of him as a stew pickles of sorts. Like he has a job conceivably, but he just tinkers in his off hours cuz that's what he enjoys. I don't think I ever got the impression that he was promoted above his station. I think that he's, this is just an example of someone leaving, leading a quiet, content life without kind of the dreams of making it big. That he's, mm. he's, he's very content where he is. He does what he can to buy his cheese, to, you know, set up his silly contraptions. Um, and beyond that, he just enjoys the odd cup of tea reading the paper you know tinkering hmm. in, in the basement he's just I, I i agree with that assessment i do find it a little um I, I don't know i feel like he finds ways to complain in the in the british sense huh i i never really got that i i always saw him as pretty good natured like like he seems to me as lazy and getting his dog to do everything possible but more because like that's the way things are a dog has to fetch the slippers but when he has a project when he wants to do something like that's when that's when the fire is started so i never got this consistent sense of him but i think that's more just because he goes through these passions and there's not enough of a there's not enough work to really get a good definition on him I, I never saw him as entitled. I I think that the things that Gromit does is like I I think in the first in in um whichever one had the penguin. What was that one? The wrong trousers. Um, the wrong trousers. Yeah, I feathers McGraw. Right at the feathers <laughs> McGraw. Right at the beginning of that episode, he says he says it's your turn to get breakfast, Gromit. Like they they swap, they switch. Yeah, on but and when <laughs> but when you look at the series as a whole, it's always his turn to get breakfast. Yeah, but there's only like five shorts. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's just, it, it is more fun to watch him slide out of that bed into that clothe him contraption with the sleeves that are a separate part of the shirt than the rest of it. <laughs> because claymation, so don't worry about it. No, it's it's very charming, but I, I don't know. I always looked at him and like, this is a lazy guy who is ready to take credit for what Gromit does. Yeah, I, in I think the, you're in reading the, um, too much into it. I think like, that... I've, it, it felt to me like, uh, remember Animaniacs, the Buttons and Mindy sketches? Sure. Where the where the baby, like, walks Martin around and, and gets Mindy. in danger, and then Buttons, the dog, goes to, like, keep her from getting into... Like, it's the same thing to me, except instead of a baby, it's an old man. I, I never saw it like that. Um, you, I don't know. That may, maybe you're right. Uh, I, I never saw him as entitled. I really like to think of him as, like, genial goofball. 
And the idea that he is taking advantage of Gromit makes me feel bad. So that doesn't that doesn't seem correct to me. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe he's just maybe he's just British and doesn't know how to express his appreciation he, very well. He's just aloof. He's aloof. Uh, what what the conversation is kind of fascinating though because given that we see almost no other humans on the regular, I'm forced to assume that he is an oddball in society. <laughs> but we don't have any context for what kind of oddball he is. Well, he's an odd like he doesn't seem to want to interact with any other people. Um, we do see him with the occasional uh, lady, but the only women he seems to attract are women who look like him with a wig. Well, they're all clay, so, you know. <laughs> it's all clay, but it's just, it's very funny if you think of it like that. Like, he's definitely somewhere on the spectrum, right? I, uh, <laughs> probably, but I'm not here to judge. <laughs> but the, the... He, he kind of struck me as like a good-natured Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Interesting. I don't know if he's that far to me, the biggest he, indication of him, like... He's got, like, obsessions. He's just mild-mannered about them. To me, the weirdest thing about him was it's not clear the degree to which he understands that Gromit is sentient. I um, think that it's very clear that he considers him a partner. He he has him... Well... He has his of. name on everything. <laughs> yeah, Wallace but he also... Gromit's window-cleaning service. He's also trying to, like, get him to be more dogly, like... We have to go for walkies, you know, put on your collar, you know, sleep out in the doghouse sometimes. Well, he, Gromit also has a regular room. Yeah. Uh, like, that's I what I'm saying. Like, I it's see unclear. The inconsistency that you're talking about. <laughs> I think maybe we just shouldn't try to understand their relationship. They're platonic <laughs> life partners that are of two distinct species, <laughs> one of which is sentient and shouldn't be sentient and one of which seems like he's not sentient but is a human <laughs> like i don't know how much we can assume about their relationship or the nature thereof sure um something i really like about wallace you know he's the core comic relief i think is is pretty clear because he's just such a goofy guy yeah yeah his constant nattering reminds me of like the kind of oh, the popeye oh, under ah, the breath stuff oh, mm, uh. <laughs> He's constantly Gromit, ah. <laughs> he, he's just constantly saying little things to himself. It's like, a spot of tea would be lovely then. Time to put the kettle on. I do believe it's time to go to bed. You know, like, like yeah, the he's kind classic of like, Michael Caine <laughs> little lines kind, to himself. <laughs> kind of self-narrating because no one else will talk. There's no dialogue that's otherwise. A, that's exactly what it is. Someone has to say something. <clears throat> and Gromit now can't I'm say getting... Anything. And now I'm getting up to go for a walk. And he's got this beautiful inflection to everything he says. <laughs> well, he over-enunciates because you have to make it match the clay. And the clay is a pretty crass medium. Well, and because it's just funnier that way. Like, he's such a, he says such funny things and his, the voice is so delightful that I love the over-enunciation. Like, Everyone knows the moon's made of cheese. I do like a bit of Golgonzola. Oh, <laughs> uh, all's well that ends well. That's what I say. <laughs> Just like this kind of wandering, lilting speech pattern. <laughs> it's like I know I'm supposed to say something right now, but I can only think of book titles. <laughs> I, right? I can't quite get there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the more dire the situation, the funnier it becomes. So, right, because he like he sounds more urgent but the things he says are not necessarily yeah. more dire no they're 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 very it's the mundane. wrong trousers grommet they're very and they're, mundane and they're acting wrong the uh or, or like 
he's trying to save a bunch of sheep in, in a closed shave from uh, somebody who's trying to abduct them. And so they're all walking across his back to get onto a motorcycle, which we can explain that if you <laughs> single really want files. to. Single file. Single file, lads. <laughs> like, take it easy. Steady on. Like, just very <laughs> mundane. He's very yeah. mild-mannered in that, these absurd that, situations. And that's where that all, all the comedy comes from. That melodic curve of his voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the opposite of what the Beatles do. The ooh. <laughs> you know? I don't know if that's how opposites ooh. work, but I like the comparison. Well, it starts up and it goes down and then it ends up. Sure. That's what I always say. <laughs> it's just it's yeah, like delightful. He's never, like he's never quite beginning or ending a sentence you get the sense that there's more beyond the border it, it seems it seems like he learned speech from something that wasn't a fellow human oh it's like gromit programmed a computer to raise this man, this man child <laughs> i don't want to get all jimmy neutron about it <laughs> hi my name is michael kane and i am a computer today i'm going to teach you words let's let's move on to gromit <laughs> yeah gromit gromit is a dog Yes, and he's the classic straight man, which is why he does not talk. Yes, he just does a lot of eye rolling. <laughs> they originally had him voice cast, but uh, because he's a straight man, he can't talk, and I think that's the correct decision. That's amazing, because they make his face do so much. It's very expressive. Um, I, I remember they were trying to... Uh, they, they likened both his and Wallace's facial expressions to that of Buster Keaton. I th- I can see that, yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing where, you know, you're not putting a lot of music or sound in here, so you need to sell a huge range of expression with a single, like, wink. And something that I, I frequently have a problem with in a lot of uh, modern cartoons um, is that they spend a little too long on faces. Like, they do close-ups and have the face emote. Like, we're supposed to pay attention to that. Like, you, uh-huh. you know, there's there's kind of like a, a dialogue going on between two people, and then one of them says something that's kind of sinister, and we'll see the other guy, and it'll close up on him, and it'll raise the eyebrow. Like, that's a thing that really bothers me. This Because you don't need it. We're already drawn to people's faces. Yeah, exactly. But they, 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 they need that for punctuation, I guess. Yeah. Um, here it doesn't do that. It feels bizarrely more natural than a classic animation would be for expressiveness. Yeah, I mean, and bizarrely, these characters emote very naturally. Yeah, when you're when you're changing the shape of things, um, you know, uh, like twelve times a second, like you have a lot of control. There's a lot of points of articulation that you can adjust things with. So if you know what you're doing and plan it out ahead of time, you can get the audience to look exactly where they're supposed to look to understand the meaning. I I think it was just a consideration that they focused on. Like, in normal animation, you don't need to focus on facial expressions because you've got plot and multiple characters talking and, you know... And an episode every week. It's easy to do, like, special effects and an episode every week. But because of the limitation of this formula they had to pay attention to it because it's what made the characters real and tactile so i, th- I think yeah. it's just an issue of focus and effort like where which do they put their why, efforts they put it which in explains the why pieces. they focus more on gromit because wallace you know wallace can talk and he, he's just sort of got that perpetual goofy grin um 
Gromit has much more expressive like eyes. He does. He's got he's got a very pronounced brow that kind of lends to these brooding sort of features. Brow. Um yeah, and I love the degree to which he is a cultured gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> like like sitting in the sitting in the chair sipping tea kind of thing yeah reading plato's republic (laughs) like (laughs) pluto's republic every book that you see has like a dog pun in it yeah yeah uh we we we'll get back into like those kind of background jokes which are great but they're everywhere all of the so wallace is kind of a man child that you know he he keeps he keeps the door on the house but not much beyond that like he does the bare minimum to be a functional human being and then he has fun (laughs) Yeah. Like, Gromit is really the one kind of keeping everything together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's very obvious, and the the contrast between them is just remarkable. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a two-man show, and they each know their roles very well, and they complement each other precisely. There's really not much more to say about it than that. Yeah. And the, like, the inventions they have allow it allow like oh day-to-day life of an englishman like it keeps it from getting boring because everything can be automated and sort of done in a different way and so you're watching that even as the plots you know kind of start off similarly yeah that's the thing about these plots is that they don't really happen (laughs) 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 like (laughs) that they are them yeah it it is very day in the life and then some kooky stuff happens and we have Wallace and Gromit reacting as I don't know they're very reactive for a lot of it yeah you know um, they're, they're starting their everyday life I only saw one plot in which they they themselves were trying to do a thing that wasn't immediately at their doorstep mm-hmm. you know the other ones they're reacting to a new thing in their lives possibly inventing something and then you know, silly antics. Uh, silly antics for the rest of it. Yeah. Well, let's let's um look briefly at each of the three original plots just so that we can kind of pan like like plot out the creative beats that recur uh, to get a better understanding of how this flows. Sure, that sounds good. So the first one, the uh, a grand day out. Um, a grand day out. This is the one that comes to mind when I think of the Wallace and Gromit theme. Oh yeah. we'll have we'll have to say a lot about that theme um but yeah this is the sort of open like optimistic exploration kind of sound of the of the theme song fits with the plot because um wallace is out of cheese wants to that's the that's the start of the plot this is the hero's journey that is motivated (laughs) by a lack of cheese yeah, he's got like this. So Cheese the, the reason I say that he's like Sheldon Cooper is that he has these obsessions. Like Sheldon loves flags, yeah, and trains, and and Wallace loves trains as well. He's got trains running through his house. <laughs> oh my like god! Like some insane Geppetto. Um, but you know, he he loves his cheese to the the degree to which he has so he, many magazines. Okay, Cheese Monthly. I I need to say something. This is. You might. I think that this is fantastic. The uh-huh. so he, he constantly is referencing his favorite cheese, Wensleydale. Now, 
I went and did a little bit of extracurricular research, and I've got some Wensleydale cheese facts. I figured you would. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wensleydale is a crumbly, supple cheese with a moist texture, known for its unique flavor that comes from using ewe's milk, and it's named for its place of origin, Wensleydale, North Yorkshire in England. Now, the reason that animator Nick Park chose it for Wallace's favorite cheese is because it sounded funny. However, (laughs) (laughs) Wallace and Gromit are attributed for single-handedly saving it from bankruptcy. That's amazing. <laughs> because with the close shave where he re- where he uh says that his that Wallace's favorite cheese uh is Wensleydale, the brand now carries them as a mascot on their packages. Like <laughs> the, the the brand had been plummeting in sales up until a close shave came out, at which point it started spiking in the markets. So, oh, imagine that. Crumbly cheese made from used milk didn't sell well. <laughs> used milk. Oh, mu- used. Yeah, a uh, you. <laughs> Not used. used. I'm like, used how? <laughs> well, used in cheese, my dear boy. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, and it's actually... So, the the like, these are very posh cheeses that they mention. Um... You know, uh, George Orwell actually wrote an essay called In Defense of English Cooking, wherein he says that Stilton and Wensleydale cheeses were credited as the best of the world in its kind. (laughs) The in its kind is an important caveat. It's an an important distinction. But yeah, uh, single-handedly saved Wensleydale from bankruptcy. That's adorable. (laughs) Yeah, just go ahead and look at the logo for it, which might be the title card for this episode. (laughs) Wensleydale cheeses, Wallace and Gromit. So yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I needed to include that because I think it's very excellent. Oh, that's a great that's a great image. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, uh, the the plot to a grand day out. Wallace is out of cheese, and they are going on holiday, and they don't know where to go on holiday. So <laughs> they need to get cheese, so they, they go to the somewhere. moon. <laughs> right, and. The moment he decides that he wants to go somewhere with cheese for their holiday, he promptly picks up a magazine which reads Cheese Holidays on the cover. <laughs> like, it's consistent. <laughs> like, you know what you're going to get with this man. Yeah, well, it's not just the man. It's it's the whimsical nature of the show. Like, everything for the joke is is on the table. Like, if right. they need to do something goony just to make a, a, a pun, they'll do it. And they, they won't hold back from it because they have no reason to hold back from it because it's Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Like, the stakes and, are so low. <laughs> yeah, so who cares if you break reality? Because, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. There's not enough plot here yes. to get in the way. Speaking of breaking reality, they promptly go to the moon. Yeah, they build a rocket in, like, their with garage. Their, with their crazy 2 by 4 technology. <laughs> and uh, A lot of the, visual you know, humor, apparent, when they're building that rocket. Oh, it's great. Where, where like, you know, Gromit sticks the drill in, and it goes through, and then he spins it, and the drill spins him. One of my Classic. favorite moments. That was? Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite, like, well, one of my favorite animation beats anyway. I liked when... Uh, Sirens. I liked when Wallace was like, oh, I, I've sawn through my support beam that's holding up this wood that I'm sawing. Yeah. Gromit, he, come here and help me. And then Gromit just is the support beam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looking like uh, this guy. <laughs> yeah, I think you're attributing more, like conflict to their relationship than there is i probably am like i think that they are just an old married couple they know each other's patterns and they're comfortable i would resent it well you're not a dog 
Oh, that's a good point, Ben. So, like the, I mean, like, yes, Gromit <laughs> is, you know, at the table drinking tea and reading Pluto's Republic. He also enjoys the odd bone. Like, he's also a dog. He's a person that is a dog. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, yeah, so they, they go to the moon. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, and I mean, it works. They, they draw it out. Oh, man. One of my favorite things. Like, and this is a tone thing that I think I'll just touch on now. <laughs> the best, the most funny moments, and this is at its heart a comedy show, the, the funniest moments are when the tone is, ext- like, they're trying to force, like, it's this huge drama, but the context of it is so mundane and unimportant. Okay. So... My favorite part, maybe of all of Wallace and Gromit, is where they're about to blast off. It's 60 seconds, they light the fuse, and then all of a sudden, Wallace goes like, Oh no, Gromit! We forgot the crackers! (laughs) And he, like, this (laughs) immaculate chase scene where he goes upstairs, tries to find as many crackers as possible, and close-ups on the clock multiple times, counting down. (laughs) It's, It's so, it's so goony. It's amazing. Um, I love the part where they're on the moon, um, and they they cut off just a, like this random spike, mm-hmm. um, and it is made of cheese. Ray, <laughs> yeah, the, the, like there's no discovery there. They thought it was made of cheese, and it is. <laughs> but then there's this like vending machine robot that he's hot parking, glue guns it back together. He's a meter maid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a vending machine robot. No, because he's got like the meter. And this is another point where the animation just does wonders for expression because this thing doesn't have a face and it's so emotive. Just it really is. <laughs> yeah, it, it has these huge white Mickey Mouse glove hands attached to the end of these spindly little robot arms, and he's he's so you get this kind of jaunty professionalism from him, <laughs> you know, like he he knows exactly what he needs to do. He takes out his little spyglass. He does this thing with his hands where he, like, twiddles his fingers, like, okay, I'm ready to go to work. You know, like, there's just this kind yeah, of, like, yeah. this little bit of in, in the animation where, like, a robot wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, this, this is, is so much more than a robot. This is a person. What is a robot? Exactly. Like, everything, <laughs> everything in these are people. <laughs> these are just people. What happen to be things that aren't people, which is fine <laughs> because people look fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we we learn that the vending machine wants to become a champion skier. He wants to ski down the slopes. He doesn't. No, not a champion. He just wants to ski. He just wants to ski. People are motivated by very simple things here. Uh, He's yeah. He's a Wallace that happens to be a robot that's on the moon. (laughs) And uh, so he, you know, they do like these chase things for a bit. They, uh, you know, they don't realize that the robots after them. Uh, But then eventually they escape back to Earth, uh, leaving leaving the robot alone on the moon. Yep. And the robot peels a bit, bit of their ship off, and it's just in the shape of a couple of skis, and he starts skiing on the moon, which, what a great image that is. And that's when the song plays again, and that's kind of like the like the visual. Like, that's a perfect little snapshot. I love the part where they kind of foreshadow that, where he has this sort of black and white image. Like, his thought bubbles are black and white, because he's a robot, I guess. Yeah. And it shows... Him, he in his thought bubble is like skiing down slopes, <laughs> and the theme is playing. <laughs> it's just there's no evil here, you know. There, there's no. no real, there's no real conflict. It's and just they go to the moon. They this robot is here. He wants to get back to Earth, so he tries to stow away in their ship. But then, 
has to be on the moon because he he didn't make it in time and starts skiing and waves to Wallace and Gromit as they blast off back to Earth who wave back. Yeah, the thing that you mentioned with the the countdown scene, the the show really is just a plot connecting a series of those funny moments. That's all it is. Like there's no there's no actual strife in this one. There's conflict in other in the other shorts, I think. This one is just it's so <laughs> I think that this is my canonical Wallace and Gromit because it is so whimsical and it's low stakes and it just goes from moment to moment without a real like necessity or urgency to the plot. Yeah, and they're not heroes. No, they're just they're people. just people. Yeah, <laughs> one of whom is a dog and one of whom is a madman. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um. Yeah. the The next one is the wrong trousers, and we can just sort of you know breeze through how this how this goes um mm-hmm. this is more of a conflict driven one so yeah um it's Gromit's birthday wallace gets him a pair of mechanical pants to take him for automatic walkies yeah it like maybe there would be more like to it to to the idea that there is conflict in this relationship if we had any idea of what Gromit wanted for his birthday we don't he's very practical yeah so you know he gets a leash and uh and a collar for for gromit i don't think that gromit is even that upset about that really he like, looked not, upset not, we're but, reading this dog's emotions very differently bad well i mean he, he i i find i i what i read it was like like, like what is this it like because he likes dog things <laughs> <laughs> but no in fact the real gift is like this mechanical pair of trousers and gromit doesn't emote there as though he's upset with the gift he emotes as though this is too alien for me to comprehend and it spooks me yeah i don't know i don't know know about that i I don't think it matters it was much clearer that he didn't like the uh the new resident the guy who who took up a room yeah Uh, because you know money troubles etc those pants weren't cheap yeah those pants Uh, weren't gonna fund themselves unless maybe they could (laughs) unclear about what all the functions of this like Pants it's got robot. buttons and dials on it. And then every episode has a robot in it, but right. none of them are anything like each other. You're right. You're right. They're all they're all different kind of robots. Um, but yeah, well, so only this... one of them is made by Wallace, though. So like different craftsmanship. I don't think any of them are made by Wallace. Just the pants. I don't think he made them. He... I think he bought them. No, come on. You're being absurd. I'm being absurd. Yep. <laughs> I, Zane, um, if there's one thing I won't, I won't deal with. It is absurdity. <laughs> I'm I am too proper and British to deal with this. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Caine, and I don't deal with this kind of shenanigans. <laughs> I've had it up to here with this shit. Um, but yeah, so there's but yeah. This penguin new... moves in and starts kind of stepping he... on Gromit's toes. He <laughs> very takes over sinister as... penguin. <laughs> He's extremely sinister. He immediately steals Gromit's room, forcing him to live out in the in the doghouse, and just kind of takes over Gromit's place as chief pet of the family. I I love this penguin because nothing about like the things that they're telling us that he's evil are the music and Gromit's reaction because this penguin has no facial expressions whatsoever. Yeah, he's he's just he's got that thousand yard stare. (laughs) Yeah, like he's seen too much. But that does make him evil in reference to Gromit and Wallace. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it turns out Penguin reprograms the pants, uses them to capture Wallace. They go to steal a diamond. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) why does he need Wallace for this? 
He doesn't. He just needs the pants. It's unclear why any of this happened. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the moment where he's trying to break in, and so the pants go on the ceiling, and Wallace is in them, and he's about to trip the like the the light. The, yeah, the, the laser, little like laser thing, the laser trap in the museum or whatever, and you know he waits for Wallace to like stretch, and that gets him out of the way of the laser, and then he quickly goes past the laser, and like the I don't know the the um, like the expressions of this penguin, they're not facial, but like everything that's happening around him, like frantically flipping the switches on these pants and starting to sweat more and more profusely the closer he gets <laughs> to stealing this diamond, and. They steal the diamond and go home, and this is where, like, Gromit fights fights back, but they have this, like, five to ten minute chase scene where just all of the automated things and the trousers and everything just sort of collide and intersect in a really satisfying way. And for me, this is, like, this chase scene where they're on, like, the automatic train and they're about to crash, and Gromit picks up a box of, like, train tracks for the toy train and just lays them down faster than the train can go. That's I, I I'm so glad that you also noticed that, <laughs> that, that is, is like everything was building to that point, And that's just like, this is amazing. That's the climax. <laughs> that's the payoff. Is Gromit building a train track in front of him? Like, and I'm sure this happened before in other pieces. Like I'm sure Mickey Mouse did this, you know? Sure. But the, the stakes of the situation and the articulation of this chase scene is so at odds with the tone that they're going for. Like the idea that he's picking up tra- and putting down train tracks is such a silly idea, but it's <laughs> delivered with such a it's it's delivered with such a harsh glare. <laughs> like it's delivered yeah. with the utmost seriousness to it. Yeah, like like this is this is as serious as anything else. Yeah, this is the climactic, dramatic conclusion of a James Bond movie. That's how serious they're delivering this. (laughs) Is laying down tracks on a toy train while man in robot pants stands and just kind of ballet dances to avoid obstacles. (laughs) (laughs) And trying to catch this penguin that occasionally has like a rubber glove on its head to dress up as a chicken as though that's like a better disguise <laughs> that's such a good disguise like the, the idea that his disguise is a different nefarious animal <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, so yeah like maybe it didn't make sense to you guys why we were saying that this was so whimsical a moment like that just says everything that you need and if you look at one moment in a Wallace and Gromit cartoon, let it be that chase scene. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times when they have wacky moments that aren't these big climaxes, um, they take a step back, right? Because they because they they're limited by the medium. Then they put out all, they pull out all the stops on some wacky moment, and then they'll just stop and let it settle a moment. It, it might be more for just a British sensibility of like letting a joke hang in the air, but. I think it added to the general pacing before that big climax where they take out all the stops. There's a there's a notion in um in in kind of dead air uh, for animation where like you, you don't want to keep things. This is generally animation is generally for kids in this era, so you don't want a lot of frames where nothing is happening. You need to draw the eye. You need to engage the audience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this. If this was made today, it would be considered extremely experimental, you know? 
Yeah, like, yeah. Like the the notion of letting facial expressions carry a conversation, the notion of letting a moment sit in the air and let the characters just fill the space, the idea that you don't need more than one talking character. <laughs> <laughs> like everything's just so slowly and paced and plotting, but that just adds to the overall flavor of a day in the life that this it's, show capitalizes on and it's such a such a time consuming and uh resource heavy process that i don't think like it's not like uh, uh the muppets right where here's this medium that's uh kind of underutilized kind of for novelty value and was turned into this huge thing i don't i don't think claymation really can be done in that way anymore because now we have cgi to make things look clay uh, I don't. I don't. I, I think this is going to be the pinnacle of claymation forevermore until we find ways to use like I don't know, super fast clay making. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that Wallace could come up with something for that. <laughs> like I think they they made this, and then like the medium is done. Like it's hit its point. Yeah, it it does very much feel like it like claymation has become obsolete, and uh, I find that to be a shame because maybe not because of the medium itself. But because of the attention to detail and focus that using this medium requires. Yes, it, it can't be done except as a labor of love. It can't, and it can't be done except as a painstaking labor-intensive process. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know which one of those it is. Let's finish it out with the last, uh, the last short. Yeah, a close shave. This introduced the character of Sean the Sheep, which got his own spinoff. Yeah, I just saw that. Um, and... You know, this is the one that really tries to make it seem like a B-horror movie kind of placard in the front. Like, I dated a werewolf or, you know, that sort of thing. Because they yeah, have, like, the, the dramatic beats. They borrow genres. Yeah, they borrow them and discard them. Um, this is pretty, pretty... I just watched this, actually. Okay. So it's still in my mind. And I gotta say, that sheep is... I was skeptical, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I was skeptical that this sheep would be fun to to, to pay attention to. Uh, maybe just because we already had an animal that didn't talk, but he's so distinct from Gromit. Um, yeah, so we we get this sheep. We actually get more characters. We even get another speaking character as like a like a love interest, uh, which is just just Wallace in a wig. Yeah, that's um, all it is. Yeah, so good voice though. They have this like window washing business they go to wash some windows and they meet this uh woman with this extraordinarily menacing dog if you don't mind the uh the scene wherein they automate wallace getting ready for his window washing job and the fact that they have triumphant like grand swell like hans zimmer stuff playing through that yeah yeah just mm. hans zimmer did the music for uh curse of the Were rabbit actually did he I think so, yeah. I, I could see that working. Like, the, the overdramatic, uh, tension-inducing kind of triumphant music that Hans Zimmer traffics in is so at odds with what Wallace and Gromit is that it's perfect for Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Isn't that a weird uh, again, thing? They're so normal that they can just pick up any genre as necessary. Yeah. And just wear it for a while and then go off and do another thing. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, so they, you know, they're clearly attracted to each other, but there's a mystery afoot because someone's been stealing sheep. Yeah, and this whole episode revolves around yarn, and whenever we have the chance to look at yarn as clay, that's a good moment. Did they 
I have to know. Was that yarn? Was, was that clay yarn? looking I like yarn? I don't know. It definitely <laughs> looks good. I think yeah. it looks good because it is clay that is yarn, though. Because, like, they read a paper, and that's clay. Right. And, like, their clothes are cl- Like, everything's clay. But then there's these things where it's like, I'm not sure what would be easier. <laughs> right. Yeah, because if, if it is stop motion, you could just have this there. Because you didn't just glue some cotton balls onto, like, a sheep model. And then you have the one sheep that got shorn and then is wearing its own sweater wool. Like, (laughs) it's hard to tell what material you would use. Like, planning this out had to be such a process. Was the the sheep's name a pun? I assume so, because in the British, you you pronounce Sean like Shurn. Or Shorn? Shurn? Listening to you, it's like you're having a stroke scene. Hi, my name is Michael Kane, and, and I I'm can sure pronounce Sean. Sean <laughs> <Shaun> the sheep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how it is. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, either way, this sheep is super adorable. I love his little sweater. <laughs> and that bleeding, yeah, like sheep in the big city. The sole good part of it was was the sheep bleats. Yeah. And the um, puns, I guess, actually. I would be surprised if uh, Sheep in the Big City didn't look to Wallace and Gromit for a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. But this one borrows a lot from uh, The Wrong Trousers. The The middle 10 minutes are this mystery tension building, and then the last 10 are this chase fight against the dog, which turns out to be a robot. Yeah. It's real, it's real wacky. It's very uh, but I love this is, that this it's is like, the most Scooby-Doo plot. It's them fighting this evil robot while juggling a bunch of sheep that otherwise would be crushed up into dog food. And they're super cute sheep, which is why this works for me so well. Yeah. And, like, Wallace is, like, riding his motorcycle trying to get all the sheep out of there, so it's, like, 50 sheep packed into a motorcycle, and (laughs) Wallace just shouts down. He's like, try to organize yourselves then. And, like, they go through a tunnel or something, and then they come out the other side, and they're in a reverse human pyramid that's made up of sheep. It's, it's amazing. just so silly, and it's just delightful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of feel like the wrong trousers and a close shave are much more similar to each other than the Grand Day Out. I'm not sure why they why they went for that shift, um, but I think a Grand Day Out is actually kind of an anomaly compared to all the rest of the things. Because the, so uh, the movie and the um, A Matter of Loaf and Death uh, also followed this, like, intro mystery chase scene resolution yeah tell me a bit about those maybe not the uh, whole thing but just kind of your impressions because you actually ma- watched them a matter of loaf and death was basically just um a close shave with different clothes so he meets uh a late he they're they're doing baking now uh they run a baking company and they meet a woman who you know looks like wallace with a wig uh, and it turns out that she's a serial killer who murders bakers, uh, and Wallace is going to be her 13th or baker's dozen uh, baker that she kills. Uh, hmm. And then there's like this cute little French poodle that is a love interest for Gromit. I, I don't I don't think I well, no, I it's take more, it back. He could have a It's love more interest. of the same. I don't think it's as, uh, like I think they're, like they knew how good they were. Um, yeah. It was less of a labor of love and like, hey, we everyone really wants a new Wallace and Gromit thing. But I, I, I like I don't know what the reason was, but it just at this point it felt like more of the same. Part of Genesis what made Bob. the original trilogy pop so much is there was so little that you looked for all the differences, and here it was kind of samey. 
Mm, um, yeah. Curse of the Were Rabbit was like an hour and a half. Um, had actual people, lots of characters. Uh, but basically, it was um, <laughs> Wallace invents a machine to take away his um, his urge to eat unhealthy foods and tries to get himself to eat carrots by like putting a bunch of rabbits inside of like a brain uh, uh, transfer machine. And so you get a rabbit with Wallace characteristics and Wallace with rabbit characteristics. Wallace is pretty much already a rabbit, though. It's really... It's hard to describe like the plot in a of lot this. Of ways. Um other than it's the same thing but longer, but they have this really nice um you know, were rabbit antagonist, which is like super evil monster, but also a vegetarian, so it's kinda like, well, where does the horror come in exactly? And then you have to say, Well, it's terrifying because everybody loves gardening. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, which is again one of those like trying to be hor- horrifying or serious and the context of it is so goddamn irreverent like it's still funny like they still hit the beats they still have that uh uh pathos and the the relationship it's just i i think if you just watch the original trilogy you know everything you need to know about wallace and gromit yeah i'd say so speaking of the relationship uh just to talk about something else i really love how obviously wallace and gromit care for each other they don't do it overtly they never confess very british very proper they're very proper, you know, stiff upper lip. But, you know, one of the things that Gromit treasures is a photo of him and Wallace. And that image of the two of them just in a photo, you know, Wallace doing his goofy grin, Gromit mostly expressionless, although he's, you know, he's got a bit of a soft facade in that is is very touching. It's a very touching portrait. Uh-huh. And so, like, moments like that or moments, like, where Wallace will yell to Gromit for help or moments where, like, Gromit will, like, try to get Wallace, like, keep Wallace in line or, like, you know, make sure he's got his back. Things like that. It's just this these this partnership the, um, is very strong and it does so without them talking to each other. The intro, I forget if either the full-length movie or the Loaf and Death one. The intro has the camera panning across the, the room and looking at a series of photographs of Wallace and Gromit, and it tells a story where, like, oh, they're best chums, and then, like, something happens, and they get mad at each other, and, like, it, it's this series of still photos telling an entire arc without any details, oh. and it and it captures exactly what you're saying. That's kind of cute, yeah. Yeah, I, I recommend looking up, like, that little clip, if, if nothing else. So, uh, in your approximation, did this work well as a movie, like as a hundred, as a as an hour and a half? I'll admit I was only kind of half paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the kind of show that you want to just like binge watch, I guess, because it is samey from one to the next. Um, you know, I think it. I think it would be a fine movie on its own. I don't think I gave it a fair shake because it was on the tail of watching all the other ones. Yeah, um, the, I remember enjoying Chicken Run, though, and that has a lot of similar characteristics. I remember not enjoying Chicken Run. Maybe maybe because of the, the models themselves. Like I, I it, It's possible you're remembering wrong. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> also possible. Maybe uh, you thought it was Penguin Run because they weren't wearing those hats. Oh, that could have been it. They were all criminals. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I have an affinity for this animation style in general 
but Wallace and Gromit specifically work for me. I think yeah, I'd be curious to take another look at like Gumby or something and see like, did everyone put this care in or or like, what? Uh, like I didn't, I didn't have as much affection for Chorus Bride. Like I liked uh, it, but yeah. I am in love with this. <laughs> Uh, I can't give Corpse Bride a fair shake either because I mostly remember it just from our episode of it. Sure. That's what happens after you get like a ton of episodes down. <laughs> what uh, What do you think is your favorite Wallace and Gromit moment? Or, or hmm, what do you think is your favorite Wallace and Gromit short, I guess, out of the four that you know? Honestly, I really enjoyed A Close Shave. Yeah. Um, I think it had the most variety and... Um, like it gave me a lot of new things to look at and see how different uh, different models articulate, but uh, I, I don't know. I think if you were to watch a one, probably a grand day out. But if you're gonna watch all of them, I think I think close shave does enough by the time you hit the third one to like keep you interested. The only thing I don't like about close shave is that it has a different talking person. You know, I I think up until that point we were dealing only with Wallace talking, and that really worked for me. It's it's definitely something you want to maintain as as much as possible. So I, th- I think that the addition of another person kind of messed a little bit with the formula. Not in mm-hmm. a way that ruined it, but in a way that took away something that I was really into, I guess. Yeah. What about you? I think A Grand Day Out is probably my favorite. It's it's just so classic. Like it's such like this nice little self-contained I know everything I need to know about Wallace and Gromit in this one short. Man, those rats in the basement? <laughs> Saying goodbye? Yeah, they're, they're, the, all, they're all like the lining up to off. watch the moon launch. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah, do we want to look uh, a little bit more at the animation? Um. Yeah, let's do that. I wanted to point out a couple of other things that I found uh, impressive. Um. So the sets... Not not just the clay models, but the sets themselves are really, really detailed. Like um, the spaceship, it has that huge circuit panel, and the lights are constantly moving, which means that they had to figure out a pattern and like keep replacing bulbs made out of clay with lighter shaded bulbs made out of clay. Jeez, yeah, I didn't think of that. Like in parallel, like constantly. Uh, and so like just the fact that they had these well-defined spaces going in really shows like it allows for that sort of consistency that you need when you're watching something uh a, like consistency of location yeah I, I hadn't thought of that um i would love to have seen people on the set you know trying to make this happen i would love to see kind of what the process was how you how you made sure you didn't wreck anything that was in the previous shots that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, i remember one time uh, Dan Caves was talking to us about trying to do, or no, uh, Bill Adcock, actually, from Wizards was, was it Bill Adcock? No, Dan Caves was telling us about Bill Adcock, telling, uh, about um, <laughs> trying to do stop motion animation with, like, a Godzilla figurine, and it took him, like, six hours to do, like, four frames of animation or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Painstaking process. I imagine that you get a little bit more proficient with it over time, but what decision, like, that's just a model moving, right? Yeah. What about an entire room full of stuff, some of which is moving? Uh, that that's why I think they needed to needed to have some limitations, like only having the one speaking character, 
um, having some sets that were pretty sparse. So like the moon, that's a perfect place to have this sort of thing because, you know, physics are already out the window. Yeah, and, and it's a nice whimsical atmosphere. Um, I have a general question about the style. Okay. Um, and it's it, re- it regards this show's uh, status as a classic. How much of it do you think is the animation, and how much do you think is, like, the wit and the characters? I, I didn't catch the question. So the, the fact that this is such a classic, this mm-hmm. show, uh, how much of it do you think is the fact that there was this painstaking animation versus how much was, like, the fact that this tells a good story and has really good characters and, and witty sort of interactions? It's really not that much of a story, though. Like, A Grand Day Out is, like, barely a plot. <laughs> not not plot but character interactions character interactions definitely do it for me and like I, those little background moments that are technically possible outside of claymation but like how much does the clay sell it i have to imagine that this is a chicken and egg situation like the characters wallace and gromit caught on because this is such a good uh labor of love this this claymation effort is so precise and 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 well done mm-hmm. that it just kind of caught on but I could also see them having their own charisma that yeah. is beyond the way they were animated. Like, I, I think it is right. both. I know that that's kind of a cop-out, but that makes if sense. you had one or the other, it probably wouldn't have been as popular and we wouldn't have seen it. So maybe that there were maybe there were a few of these, you know, r- running around and, and they just didn't kind of have that combination, uh, that one-two punch of animation and, and uh, character dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's just, I mean, that's just my best guess. I don't, I'm not yeah. well versed in this style of animation or in, you know, British uh, programming no, in general. <laughs> that's fine. I asked you sort of an impossible question. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, so there, there's a, there's something I want to say about the way that, be, you know, because we don't have dialogue, if there's going to be humor, it has to be through animation. Like, yeah, you know Wallace is funny on his own, like that constant like stiff upper lip chap. There we go. Oh, about a walk from it, you know, just like that. That whole thing is great, obviously, but the animation is where the bulk of the humor has to come from, and I think that they do a very good job of putting little gags in the scenes that you don't draw attention to them because no. that ruined the gag, right? Yeah. And so there, there are things that like might not even be funny if you explain it. Um, one of the ones that just kind of like captured like the these gags for me was um, so in the second one, uh, uh, Wallace goes to get his piggy bank, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> and he he lifts up a picture frame of a piggy bank, and it has a safe behind it. And he un- opens the safe, and there's a piggy bank inside <laughs> of the safe. <laughs> and like like for what reason <laughs> like that's for not actually reason, that Wallace. funny but it's so charming because they don't like they don't mention it <laughs> they don't say a damn thing about like, it just you can like 10 so seconds easily, of animation you can so easily miss the fact that that picture was of a piggy bank it's so great i didn't realize it until he put it back down and i'm like that's another level <laughs> the uh the, the thing that I started noticing the background jokes of was uh, when Gromit comes back to kind of confront the penguin about his nefarious doings. And the penguin's been 
in Wallace's house for long enough that he's kind of started changing stuff around. Gromit tries to get in through the doggy door, which is now an exact, like, it, it's in the exact shape of the penguin. <laughs> Instead of just a regular doggy door, like, he had it reinstalled. I didn't even notice that the shape changed. That's awesome. It's the awesome. exact shape of the penguin standing up, because he waddles everywhere. <laughs> like, little things like that. Yeah. And then, of course, all the dog puns, like, written everywhere. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, when he's in prison for shearing the sheep or whatever, like, on false charges, Gromit is reading something by Fido Dogstoyevsky. Yeah. <laughs> pretty great. I mean, yeah, and they're just everywhere, you know? I think, I, I think I'm just about done with animation. Like, I think we've said a lot about it because that is the unique thing to this show. Yeah. There's when it gets down to it, there's not a lot other than it's good and it's consistent and there's so much in there that I'm still noticing new things. The thing is, it's just very unique, but it's also extremely well done. Like it's good unique. Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know how if you have a weird tick, you'll try and be a better person so that people will think you're eccentric rather than weird. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's what's going on here. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably something that Wallace says to himself every day of his life. Stiff upper lip chap. <laughs> Can't let them know that you're really Michael Caine in disguise. <laughs> it's um, a perfect crime. Let's, um, uh, let's move on to music. <laughs> so, of course, uh, the theme song, which is so popular, um, it has been considered for replacing the music at the start of soccer matches instead of the Great Escape music. I do, I, I do remember seeing that, and apparently for a month it was chosen as the wake-up theme for astronauts on a particular spacecraft <laughs> that's amazing is, like i want to wake up to that i uh, like for years my clock alarm my, my phone alarm was uh the clock town theme song from zelda majora's mask yeah mine as well and that's a terrifying thing to wake up to <laughs> yeah and that's what motivates like, you to get oh up. god which day is it <laughs> is it dawn of the third is it dawn of the final day but um but this would be just so much more joyous and like, oh, I, I, I can invent things today. I can do things. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's not a, like a pump up theme, but it is no. a, you know, a. Uh, it's got <sighs> momentum. It's keep moving forward. Yeah, it, it's a theme of progress. It's a theme of progress and, and, and fun. You know, this theme was one of two that I would constantly play in the office as we were like studying for midterms or whatever. Oh, is, really? Is I would play this and Shiny Teeth and Me if we just kind of needed a break. <laughs> it would be these two. That's great. And I honestly, I don't know which one I like better. Oof. Fans, listen, you know, write in. Yeah, this is like, this, this the theme grand is debate. just exceptional. And it's um, a real fun, it, I, I have to admit, it's, it's real fun to whistle. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, other music in the show is not quite as uh, uh, anthemic. You know, you don't recognize it as much. It's, it's not uh, as recognizable, but I thought it was still very like it, it's this more is standard. The, you know, you know, you know what you know what danger music sounds like. But but this is the only theme that fits the moment. Right? Yes, it, it it matches well. You can get sad moments and uh, you know tense, you know mystery moments. Anytime they need happiness, they'll do the the main theme. But other than that, it's it's much more standard. Like, okay, I know what shows use, uh, you know, use this type of music for this type of scene. 
Right, and, and that's why you're allowed to make those contrast jokes, like, you know, Wallace getting ready for work with his crazy contraption that puts him in his overalls and gets him his, like, window-washing equipment, and it being this Hans Zimmer triumph music. Like, <laughs> that doesn't fit at all, and that's why dun, it's funny. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Pretty much that. <laughs> Pretty much Jurassic Park. But but this theme fits exactly what it's saying. Like, this, there's no irony to this one. But there's yeah. irony to every other theme in the show. When the penguin is doing something nefarious, it has this, like, calliope music. Like, just sort of, um, you know, like, sort of dark, evil circus clown music. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, like, I do know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean. There, there, one time when I was, uh, when I was at my friend Ulysses' uh, wedding... Um, and we were all kind of hanging out in his house, in his in his uh, in his wife's house afterwards, just kind of kind of chilling, just kind of decompressing and getting uh, just just enjoying each other's company. And his mom was there, and I hadn't very met the mom until this, or, or uh, the wife's mom was there, and I hadn't really interacted much with the wife's mom with with this person very much. So I, you know, I, I was I was feeling kind of loopy, kind of Wallace loopy, and just kind of saying whatever came to my mind. And the thing that comes to my mind is, do you guys prefer happy carnival music or sad carnival music? <laughs> <laughs> and it was at that moment that I won her over. <laughs> How do we let you out? Because <laughs> they're both very iconic music pieces. You know exactly what you're thinking of. <laughs> gosh <laughs> yeah that's wild um, zach wild so it although the music i thought could be standard sometimes uh the sound effects i thought were great you know we talked about the um you know the sort of hyper realism that they could do with the stretching and squishing mm-hmm. um the sound effects really add to that so you get all manner of of uh you know, thud and squeak to uh, accentuate their building or their crashing into things. Yeah, and I like how much the machinery squeaks in this. Like it makes it, it makes it feel very erector set. It's low tech. Very low tech, and I, I think that's that's a very important sound effect to have here. Because if you took all the squeaking out, first of all, he would seem like a competent inventor, which would not do. We cannot have that. <laughs> But but also it would just make everything feel a little too it, it it wouldn't feel as small town jovial, you know. Like one of my favorite parts of the Sandlot is the fact that he makes this huge erector set kind of contraption to get the ball back from the neighbor's yard, you know. And and yeah. if they had imagine having that erector set contraption just being a thing that someone buys. Yeah. No. There's there's this uh, ownership, and you can. One of the best ways to say, hey, this very flawed weirdo uh, made this thing is to have the thing also be flawed and weird. Yeah, but because of that, it's special. <laughs> it's like it's like macaroni art, you know? Yeah, you, you don't, it's glowing you don't with like, his aura. You don't like a gift from your kid because it's like quality. You like it right. because it's from your kid, you know? Yeah. And it's the same way with all of Wallace's inventions. And the fact that it, all of it is squeaking and, and pieces are falling off is so personalizing. And it makes me love him. <laughs> You know? Yeah. It's like, oh, you you built this. You built for this whimsy. With your own hands. <laughs> you you built this for an incredibly like a Jimmy Neutron esque problem. 
you will have to pick up your pants or or shoot <laughs> porridge at your bowl. Which another great sound effect is that porridge gun on rapid fire. Yeah, you know that I, kind I of have... like mail tube kind of uh, kind of vacuum sound. Yeah, I kind of want to watch like the foley being done. Yeah, that would be amazing. Because <laughs> when you think about it, it's not always obvious how many frames any given thing is going to take. So like getting a sound that matches has got to be like a whole nother level of difficulty. Well, given how much trouble the animation was, I feel like the sound effects were the easy part. <laughs> like, oh, I get to work on sound today. Thank goodness. Right? Because <laughs> they only have two guys working on this. Yeah, it's just two guys beatboxing, just scatting in the background. It does occasionally, like, there's such a variety of uh, instruments, like the calliope and all that. It, it did seem like it's just Nick Park, whoever he found, played whatever they had what, lying around. What is around. the calliope? You keep on using this word. Uh, Look at it. It's that, like, it, it's like that carnival music. Look up some, uh, look up calliope music. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up some uh, at some point. I'm sorry. Put, I in as the, put calliope in as the outro. <laughs> Yeah, I'll put, I'll, or sad carnival music. We'll see. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Please can complete your thought. Oh, just that um, you know, it it sounded like they just played whatever they had lying around. It does. Uh, it, it feels like there's... Wallace. Like <laughs> it feels like Wallace started like a family band with whatever he had in the garage. You like know, these are instruments the... he invented. <laughs> Maybe not even invented. Maybe just like found around the house. You know, like a, a brick and a stick for a wood block. You know, that kind of uh, thing. Like, he comes from a long line of inventors, but they were in different jobs. So, like, his parents were musician inventors. Yeah, yeah. I, I, or or maybe, like, a long line of inventors, and each one uses low-tech for the time. <laughs> That's great. I'm imagining, like, Caveman Wallace, and he's using, like, what do you use, rocks? Uh, uh, like, 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 being in the Bronze Age and using bones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've made a chariot out of bones. <laughs> That's pretty metal. <laughs> it's super. <laughs> I say there, check out this metal as fuck uh, chariot made out of bones that I made. Man, you just you're really into that accent. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps working. It does a lot of work for me. It really does. If I Ben today, if there's been a joke that I didn't know how to extend, it just goes into Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that like. I love this show so much that I would have a hard time. I I have a hard time making jokes about it just because I want to do it right. And whenever I know I'm going to have a hard time making jokes, I try to like think of an easy joke to make that I can make sometime during the episode. Uh, not to you know, what, give what's you guys... a joke that would make this show proud? <laughs> yeah, and there just aren't any, so we have to rely on the standbys. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm glad you did it for me. For some reason, I'm just not having a very good joke making day. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry, guys. <laughs> Go watch Wallace and Gromit. They're very funny. Yeah, because oh. this episode is taking as long as the three originals, so just, you know, check uh, those out. That'll tickle your stickle. I think that he says that once. That's probably something that he said. It'll probably tickle your stickle. Steady uh, on. But yeah, just overall, this is a great show that gets the details right, and it's, um, like, I understand why this isn't, like, they can't do more of this. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, you know, and, and I've got a couple other things that I could mention about, like, the wordplay being very good. And There's a lot of sexual innuendos here. Are, are there actually a lot? I noticed a lot more in the movie because uh, they're constantly, like, holding, uh, like, holding and gesticulating with vegetables. 
<laughs> so that's just very weird. I mean, that's just a theme thing. Yeah. But like, maybe it's just that British English sounds very uh Like like that's that's very that's going rude. to that's like having a movie about plumbers and have laying some pipe not be a constant metaphor. Yeah, it's got to be in there. Yeah, even even if you're not trying to make that joke, like it's just it will happen naturally. Yeah. And and British just stuff just sounds dirty, you know, bangers and mash and I believe that was a uh, Russell Brand song in Get Him to the Greek. I don't recognize either of those references. <laughs> <laughs> Get Him to the Greek was a real bad movie starring Jonah Hill and uh, Russell Brand, where uh, where uh, Jonah Hill had to, it was like an executive that tried to get Russell Brand to come out of retirement and do like a, a reunion tour or whatever like that. Uh, but he kind of become uh, a weird pop culture mess since uh, since he was playing. Uh, and one of his uh, one of his songs was The Clap. Um, one of his songs was Bangers and Mash, which I actually recognize, like, I'll think about it every now and again, because I actually kind of like the way it sounds. That's great. Okay. Uh, like, so it, like, it, like, it ends with, like, the phrase, well, did you come for my bangers? And he'll, like, point to his crotch, my bangers and mash. Like, it's, it's very stupid. <laughs> that kind of sounds like a Wallace and Gromit plot. Yeah. Like, two guys do weird thing poorly <laughs> is, is, uh... And then it's just antics. I, I'm sure that other shows have done the two guys do weird things poorly kind Mechanical of Mechanical antics. Like bulk and scalded up. But just... It, this is this show is only that, and it is pristinely that, and I can't imagine another show doing it as well. No, like, you are right. This is a... It's this pure is and a, polished. It, 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 it's a polished product that cannot happen again. Like, this is a singular work that is... Uh, the the direction of animation history has left this behind. Yeah, you've distilled it too far. There's nothing left to distill. Yeah, kind of. It almost feels like a payoff for early animation, in the way that Cuphead feels like an, a payoff for Popeye era animation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great. Like, and there's a couple things that I could say, but I think that we're at a good breaking point. Yeah, um, and I I do like that because they made it to seem timeless, that it will persist and like. You can always show this to your kids, no matter when they're born. Absolutely, this is like a Mega Man game. This is this like is a, this is family friendly. Yeah, it's family fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of another show that that is like like what what else do you show to your kids, even if they're too old for that style of cartoon? Um, yeah, like like, Lo- like Looney Tunes, like Looney Tunes. Yeah, like it's always good. Like, this is why you could do a Looney Tunes reboot in the 90s as Space Jam, and everyone's just kind of on board. Like, we know. Yeah, we, we still like Looney Tunes. Even though we didn't grow up with Looney Tunes, everybody knows it, and it's it's enough in pop culture references that we're happy to see them. Yeah, and this is that level. Yeah, but for, for England. Like, e- even, you know, American pig dogs such as ourselves know and love Wallace and Gromit, I can only imagine how popular it is in England. To single-handedly fra- like, save Wesley Dale cheese franchise, like a, <laughs> a, a, a product. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I love it when, like, a British thing attains mass appeal in the States because, like, just by, just looking at population numbers, like, we get so many more wins than they do nowadays. Sure, and, and most of the stuff that you and I look at are from either here or japan so when something kind of creeps through it's it's 
something that is well worth our time. Kind of like Cyber Six from Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different, and there's a quality all its own there, but also just quality in and of itself. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, so I I think that's about it. That's that's all I got. Uh, Zane, in recollection, do you think you like this better than you remember, or worse? I appreciate it more than I used to. Um, certainly. Same. Same here. I think I like it about as much, but I appreciate it far more. Yeah, I mean, it was it was already like a magical like. <laughs> wait, did that happen? Did that exist? Kind of thing. Yeah, feels like something you might have dreamt. <laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. And then the wrench hits the windmill, and then the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but cool. Just the technical competence that goes into this is now so apparent. So I'm yeah. glad that uh, I'm glad we watched it again. Did anyone recommend this, or was this a self self thing? Um, I I think this was just uh, we wanted to do some claymation. You know, the scrambled segments. Uh, there's a smaller well to draw from than you might think. Mm-hmm. On a lot of these uh, on a lot of these genres, so we we like to pick a, a good one. Yeah, and I'm glad that we got a, a really good example of the genre. Yeah, this is this is claymation, stop motion animation at its finest. I wouldn't mind maybe doing one other that is less good at some point. Yeah, let's check out Gumby or uh, one of those Christmas specials. Yeah, something like that. We could probably make it work. But in any case, uh, I think we're good to go. Good to go. Yeah, so, so that was Wallace and Gromit. Uh, Zane, what do we have next? Next up is our special 100th episode. Sode, sode. 100. Uh, when we will be... We will be watching Jackie Chan Adventures, and uh, I don't know about you, I've watched pretty much all of it. <laughs> I haven't watched pretty much all I've watched about half a season. I have to watch a lot more. Yeah. But, uh, I love it. And it, uh, It's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, I, it's not, like, it's not a pinnacle of an art form, <laughs> but it's just solid in all ways, and there's so much to look at. I, uh, I showed a couple episodes to Ethan, and I showed him the first one, and, I mean... The first one doesn't... The first one's not great. I think they have to hit their stride a, a couple in. I, I don't know. When I showed it to Ethan, it, it, he, had, he had a look of magic and wonder on his face. <laughs> and after the first episode, he's like, I, I need to process this for some time. Like, he couldn't even give me a, <laughs> did he like it or not first? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he, yeah, so, like, it, uh... So, it's, so it's Jackie Chan special. lives in San Francisco now, right? What's and that? he's got... So, Jackie Chan lives in San Francisco, and he's got a niece... And he's got an uncle. It's not clear how any of them are related. And now he works for the secret government? Yeah, he works what? for MI6. And, <laughs> and there's uh, magic. Let's see. He, he's, he's working against a, I don't know, James Bond villain with a bunch of uh, hoodlum, in- incompetent uh, henchmen. But he also reports dragon to a statue. dragon that's a statue <laughs> and is in charge of a bunch of shadow ninjas because they're all trying to get these magic items back that give you it's amazing powers. It's and- amazing how the, the show starts with just a bunch of things that are very difficult to explain and then just like just has to repeat that for five seasons just so that you're willing to accept it. Yeah, it, like if you really want a Cliff Notes version for what the show is, is what if Jackie Chan was Harrison Ford, was Indiana Jones? <laughs> That's exactly right. It's pretty great. Um, yeah, so definitely definitely check that one out. And then uh, after that, I believe we're going to be watching an anime movie. Yes, so it's time for another anime, and it's time for another movie, it's time for another anime movie. Last time we did an anime movie, it was 
Lupin the Third, The Mystery of Lupin Mamo. Believe me, I would be thrilled to watch another Lupin movie and just make it a running joke. Because <laughs> I love it. However, so in this so in this uh, show, we're going to be looking at a Lupin. Am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, this time we're going to do uh, something that was suggested to us, I think, through the Facebook page. And I'll go ahead and check it out at some yeah, point. Yeah, we sometimes ask Facebook, like, hey, what do you guys want to see? And I think this has come up a couple of different times. I don't it remember has. by whom, but I think it's worth uh, checking out. It's been recommended to us a few times. We're going to check out five centimeters per second. I don't know anything about this. Do Same you? here. That Great. was intentional, because I, yeah. I feel like I've heard a lot about it, and I want to kind of go in blind and see what the big hubbub is about, and then I'll look at why people like it so much. Yeah, and running up to the our 100th episode, we've been hitting a lot of high marks. We want to try and uh, try and just, you know, throw it's to a, the wind. Yeah, we're, we're, we're throwing a dart on this one, but I, I've heard good things, so I'm sure it'll be at least engaging, even if it is not to the high school standard of Wallace and Gromit. Is it engaging or enraging? You decide. I say it's probably going to be engaging or enraging. I have to say, sir, <laughs> that if you <laughs> if you can't get him in one, you can at least get him in two. <laughs> and if you can't get him in two, well, then how do you do? <laughs> I'm Michael Caine. Now, would you please get me an ottoman so I can properly enjoy this Calliope music? Please crank up the <laughs> with whole my Wednesday day. I'd like to, I'd, I'd like a cup of tea and some Wednesdaydale, and please play me that sad kind of music. Right. <laughs> please don't make me angry. You would not like me when I'm angry. <laughs> You're right. This is fun. Thank you.